0: Good morning, good to see everybody uh, out this morning. I want to spend uh, a few minutes this morning talking about seven things that don't make you a Christian. Uh, several years ago, I went to uh, down to Ethridge and I bought an Amish hat. And, uh, you know, Kristen would make fun of me for wearing it, but I'd wear it while cutting the grass sometimes because, I mean, it does a good job of shading your ears, you know, and, and keeps the sun off of you. But, you know, wearing an Amish hat doesn't make you An Amish person. Or wearing a cowboy hat. Doesn't make you a cowboy necessarily. Wearing a stethoscope. You know, the kids have little toy stethoscopes. But just because they wear that obviously doesn't make them a doctor or or a nurse. A fox hanging around the hen house don't make him a chicken. There's a lot of things that, that can be done, but it doesn't necessarily equate to or mean that you are Something. Okay, so that's the idea that we want to talk about this morning. There's seven things I want to talk to you about that don't make you a Christian. And so let's just dive right in talking about those. Uh, the first of the seven things I want to talk about is wearing nice clothing. Wearing nice clothing doesn't make you a Christian. You know, dressing up to attend an assembly of the Lord's people doesn't automatically mean that you're uh, in a good standing with God. I think that some may equate to dressing in our Sunday best to somehow that relates to us spiritually. Uh, Now, I want to say, I want to stop and say, I think the way we dress is important. It shows uh, how we feel and how our attitude is towards certain things. So when you go to a wedding, you dress nice, right? I mean, it's an important event, and so you want to show respect to what's going on and the importance of that occasion. If you go to a funeral, you dress nice. I mean, it shows your attitude, how you dress when you uh, go to an event like that. And so uh, I believe that when we dress in our sunday best we're showing our respect to god and the importance of what we're doing here so i don't want you to misunderstand that but simply wearing nice clothing when you come to the assembly does not make you a christian worship involves action and attitude and we, so we can do the action we can we're going to take the lord's supper here in a little bit we can eat uh, the unleavened bread we can drink the juice but uh, those things have been instructed and they're good and right and proper and we should do those things but if our minds are a thousand miles away then it's not doing any good we're just going through the motions. And so, uh, again, there's no problem with anybody dressing up for the services to show respect of God. Uh, but just because you're wearing nice clothes doesn't mean you're, you're actually showing respect for God. Your mind may be off way somewhere else. You know, in John chapter 4 and verse 24, Jesus said this, and I know you know the verse well. He said, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So our clothing is important, but when we worship God, what's most important is, are we doing the right things and are we doing them in the right ways? Is our mind engaged? Is our heart engaged in the things that we're doing? And so a faithful Christian, whether they dress up or not, will make sure they're focused on the things that we're doing while we're doing those actions and that we're showing respect or reverence to God. But there's people that may dress up and they may come to services and they may not be a Christian. So wearing nice clothing doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. Right, the second one is sitting in a pew. Sitting in a pew don't make you a Christian necessarily. Uh, some may think, though, that coming and sitting through a church service essentially equates them to being a Christian in good standing with God. I've read some articles in the past week and, and listened to some audio sermons. Uh, you know, in different parts of the world, it's way different from here in, in middle Tennessee. You know, we've got a nice building here and there's there's air conditioning and uh, things are really nice, and it's really good for us to focus on what we're doing here. But you know, in other parts of the world, they're, they're meeting in shelters that aren't enclosed. I mean, so there are uh, just conditions if it's raining. I mean, it's raining in on them while they're worshiping, and that really, that really uh, it should cause us to be thankful. But you know, there's uh, an article that I was reading about a fellow who lived in Brazil, and he was preaching for a time, and his family worshiped at this congregation that he was working with. And there was a family that came, and their family dog would come with them, to every service, every time. And the dog would come and it would lay in the pew and it would sit through the services the whole time. And he talked about how chickens, you know, they would come in and be looking, looking for food in the middle of the services. That would blow our minds if something like that happened. But that was how it was there. That's way of life there. The point, the article he was making was that that dog, unfortunately, came to the services more than some of the members. The dog came and it sat in the pew, but did that make that dog a Christian? Well, no, I didn't. And so just coming and sitting in a pew does not make you a Christian. In Acts 20 and verse 7, we know this verse well too, it says, Upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continue his speech until midnight. Uh, so uh, Paul determined uh, to meet with the disciples in Troas. He went out of his way to make sure he was there. Uh, a Christian is one that is going to make... Uh, an effort and make it a priority to meet and assemble with the saints and that's exactly what we see paul doing here he came together with the intent to protect of the lord's supper with them in first corinthians 11 beginning verse 23 thinking about the lord's supper uh, he said for i have received of the lord that which i also delivered unto you that the lord jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Uh, so Paul, uh, he, the things that he received from the Lord, he, he passed along and he said, We ought to do these things in remembrance uh, of our Lord and Savior. And so when we come together to take the Lord's Supper, we're commemorating the death of Jesus. Those are things that are good uh, to be a part of, and we're uh, commanded to do those things. In Hebrews 10 and verse 24, we know these verses. Well, two verses 24 and 25. Now the Hebrew writer said, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, and so uh, we're commanded to assemble ourselves together. I'm really bad at drawing on this thing. Uh, but uh, we're commanded to assemble. Uh, and when we do that, we're considering each other, we're stirring each other up to love and good works. The Hebrew writer was critical of some people that weren't assembling like they ought to. And their habit was to just not come. Uh, And other things were going on. Other things were more important. And so they wouldn't take time to come to the assembly. Uh, And so he was really really criticizing them and telling them they need to get their act together and and be uh, at the assembly. Uh, But the point that we're making is just because you come and just because you sit in a pew, that don't make you a Christian necessarily. Christians will come and they will assemble. But just because you do that, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a christian you know the third one uh, that i'd like to say the third point is that using religious vocabulary i don't know if that's the best way to to say this point so hopefully you'll know what i'm or understand what i'm trying to say but you've probably seen things like this like i have maybe you've been driving around town and you see bumper stickers that say honk if you love jesus you know uh, or jesus is my co-pilot um maybe someone uh has some sort of decoration in their house with a bible verse on it and i think that's good by the way i mean we have that in in our house too but uh maybe somebody will quote a bible verse on social media you know and so on their facebook page or or whatever they'll have some bible verse quoted and and they use religious vocabulary They, they talk about god and they put on an appearance that they are uh really religious person but when you start to observe their lifestyle you realize it's all talk uh and those other things don't really summarize how they uh, really live, only on special occasions. And so bumper stickers, displaying Bible verses don't make a person a Christian. Saying things about God doesn't make you a Christian. And so understand, I, uh, I don't think it's wrong to do those things. If we have bumper stickers about the virtual Bible study, if we have Bible verses on the walls in our home, I think that's a good thing. If we, if you've got social media and you post a Bible verse, I think that's a good thing, but it better just not be for show because just doing that doesn't make you a Christian. Uh, but if you are a Christian, you'll be focused on spiritual things and you will talk about spiritual things and you will use religious vocabulary. In the reading that Joseph did for us in Colossians 3, beginning verse 1, uh, Paul said, "...if you if then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the earth." So when your affection is on things above... You're going to talk about that. And that's going to show in your life. You're going to to demonstrate that in a whole lot of ways. And people are going to see that. Uh, uh, But just because you talk about something religiously doesn't mean that you're a Christian. But if it helps you to focus on religious things, put a Bible verse on your refrigerator. Put a plaque on your wall. Uh, But those things can't just be extremely external. A Christian's hope, again, is for heaven. And that will affect their speech. And it will be a 24-7 thing, not just a Sunday thing. But just because you use religious vocabulary does not make you a Christian. Number four is having your name in a church directory. Just having your name in a church directory does not make you a Christian. I think some people feel like they've arrived when their name gets into the directory. I'm official now. It's legitimate. They've got my name in the directory. uh, And I've gotten my spiritual stamp of approval because my name has shown up in a church directory. You know, the truth is God determines who's a Christian, uh, not a group of people that put your name on the roll. Uh, And so just having your name in a directory doesn't make you a Christian. But a faithful Christian will find a group of saints to work with, and a faithful Christian will be associated with a group of God's people. So as we're going through these things, notice that a Christian will do these things, but just doing the things doesn't make you a Christian. There was a recent post, and I say recent, it's probably been a year ago now, I don't know, uh, on, on Facebook, and it was a person who was a Christian, claimed to be, uh, and the post was about details of, of leaving a group and going to join another one. And a comment was made by another person who was supposed to be a Christian and said that it's not biblical to place membership. There's no example or requirement of that, of placing membership with a uh, congregation. And so this whole idea of having your name in a directory or being on a roll would, would not be biblical. And I thought, that's crazy. What is being talked about here? Because in Acts chapter 9 and verse 26, it says, When Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. So, Saul, this is, this is Apostle Paul, uh, still Saul at this time, he had been converted, uh, he had become a Christian, and he wanted to join himself to the disciples. You can appreciate where they're coming from. They were all afraid of him. Hey, this guy's been killing people. We're not just going to let him come in here and act like he's one of us now. He was, he was murdering people last week that said they were Christians, and this week he wants to be a part of us. I don't know about that. Uh, and so we can understand and appreciate where they're coming from. They believe not that he was a disciple. But after, after they were convinced and understood that he indeed, he indeed did con, uh, become converted and he became a Christian, he went from persecutor to preacher. He sought to join the disciples there. And that's the point that, that I want to really focus on. He wanted to join himself uh, to the disciples. That is What's involved in that is becoming a part of the group. And I don't know if they had a role and his name was on the role, but he was a part of that group. He was associated with that group. And there's a principle there that's important. We need to be a part of a spiritual family. Members of a local congregation that we can work with. Uh, and so a Christian will do that. A Christian will be associated with a group. But just having your name in the church directory doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. All right, the fifth thing is persistence in religious activities. Persistence in religious activities. That means being frequently engaged in doing things that are religious in nature. So that could involve regular attendance. Uh, even when you've been doing that a long time, uh, There's people maybe that come every time the doors are open. But that doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. It doesn't necessarily make you spiritually strong. Uh, I know a guy, and some of you know him too, who was once a Christian, but he lost his faith. He became an atheist, and per him, he continued to assemble with the congregation regularly out of habit because he had friends there. And so he came. He was there when the doors were open. He, he sat in the pew. He sang the songs. He was a part of the group. Uh, he persisted in religious activities, but he was not a faithful Christian. And so just being persistent doesn't make you a Christian. A Christian will persevere, though, in their service to God. They won't be hot and then cold and then lukewarm. Uh, they'll endure uh, and they'll have their devotion to Christ. That's the way it ought to be. In Revelation, 20, or Revelation 2, uh, beginning of verse 1, this is a letter to the, the church at Ephesus. It said, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and how thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and has not fainted. Do you notice know, all the good things that were mentioned there? Uh, so I know thy works, labor, patience, you can 't bear them which are evil you 've tried though those that say they're apostles you 've uh, for for my name's sake you 've labored you 've not fainted man just all the good things that are said, but of course, the very last part there says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love just because you 're doing the things and doing the right things it 's good it 's good to do the right things, but just because you 're doing the right things if you're, if your mind and your attitude and your heart isn 't right if your love is not in the right place. Uh, then it's not doing you any good. It doesn't make you a Christian just because you're persistent in doing religious activities. Don't make you a Christian. All right, number six. We've got seven things. We're, we're rolling through these pretty quick. Number six is good works in your life. Good works in your life don't necessarily make you a Christian. There are people that I know, maybe like some that you know, that are very benevolent people. They give... Maybe a good portion of their income and their time toward very good causes. Maybe some would say because of that, they must be a Christian because they're so giving and they're so uh, benevolent. Doing good works, though, doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. We'll look at several verses in the book of Titus. Titus 2, and verse 14, beginning. uh, It says, "...who gave himself for us," talking about Christ, "...that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself of peculiar people, zealous of good works." Uh, so, the person that's a Christian that's been redeemed uh, uh, is a person that will be doing good works. Will be zealous. You know, that means really on fire about it. Uh, you know, it's not like I guess I'll do something good because I know I know I ought to. I mean, it'll be the type of person that wants to do good because they they have that uh, attitude and that uh, heart for doing good for people. They'll be zealous of good works. In Titus three in verse one, it says, "Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready." to every good work. So doing good works is, is something a Christian will do. We'll be ready to do good works. When an opportunity arises and you've got the, the capability to do something about it, you'll jump on it and you'll do it. You'll do a good work. Uh, that's something a Christian will do. Same chapter, verse 8. says, "...this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou confirm, affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men." So be careful, be devoted to doing good works. So a Christian will do good works, but doing good works don't make you a Christian. Alright, so that's what we're saying. Just doing good. There's a lot of people out in the world that do do good. uh, And they spend a lot of time doing good things. But just doing good things doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. Alright, number seven. Living a moral life. Living a moral life. I want to tell you, as we get to number seven, I think this one's the most dangerous Living a moral life. Some would think that if they're living a good moral life, then they must be a Christian. They must be in a good standing with God because they're doing good, they're living right. I want to take you to a, a biblical example of a fellow that I know you're familiar with. His name is Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. I want you to just, just look with me at the description of this fellow named Cornelius. It says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, He was a devout man, one that feared God with all his house. He gave much alms to the people and he prayed to God always. If you read a description of a person like that today, you know, just, you don't know who it is, you don't know a name, but you're handed a description of a person and you said, this person's devout, they feared God with all their house, they gave alms to the people and they prayed to God all the time. You would say, that person's no doubt, that person's a Christian. They've got to be in a good standing with God. I mean, that checks off that checks off a ton of boxes of what being a Christian's about but cornelius uh, even though he was an exemplary character he was definitely living a good moral life but it's clear that he wasn't a christian when this description was given of him he was not a child of god the next chapter over in acts 11 beginning at verse 14 uh, peter and cornelius were sort of recounting this whole story so i you know just reduced it down to this one verse but Peter was, was talking about how he received a vision and he was told to go and, uh, and then Cornelius was talking about how he had uh, been told by an angel to find Peter and tell him to come talk to you who will tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. Shall be saved. Cornelius said he was doing all those good things but he was told you need to go find Peter and he'll tell you what you need to do in order to be saved. Future tense. He wasn't saved at that time. Cornelius was lost even though he'd been living a good moral life. There's people that we know, they don't steal, they don't uh, commit crimes. Uh, they're, they're generally good people, they're good neighbors, and they're good friends. But that doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. And I think this one's the most dangerous because uh, sometimes, let me go back, sometimes uh, people like that will look so close to being a Christian, some of the same things and some of the same ways a Christian lives, and it kind of gets you to thinking, well, maybe maybe they are uh, but we know that's not the case. We are supposed to live a moral life, though. And in First Peter one, and verse seventeen, Peter said, "If you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear." We talked in the uh, class this morning uh, about about this idea about fearing God, and I think it's a good a good healthy fear. You know, you, you have respect for Him, and you want to please Him, and you want, you don't want Him to be uh, you know upset with you and the things that you're doing. We'll be living moral lives because we don't want that. We love God and we respect God. We want Him to, to be pleased with how we're living. Uh, if you're a Christian, you'll be striving to live holy. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 7, Paul said, God has not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. All right, and so there's really a contrast there. Uh, God hasn't called us to live unclean like the world is living. He's called us to live holy. And so that's something we've got to strive to do. Uh, and that's going to take a lot of work and a lot of effort in order to live a moral life. In 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1, Paul said, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. And then he says, perfecting, if I can do it there, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. You know, it's kind of an ongoing, continual process. You know, I'm, I'm continually perfecting holiness in my life, or I should be. Uh, and, and I should get better at that as time goes on. And, and that's a process that we work out. We should be living moral lives. But what we're saying is just because a person lives a moral life, that doesn't necessarily make them a Christian, okay? Doesn't necessarily make them a Christian. All right, so seven things that don't make you a Christian. Now, having said all of that, now I want to talk just, just for a minute. i got three things that does make you a Christian. Let's talk about uh, just what makes a Christian. If all those things don't, what, what gets it done? Well, the first, in the first place, Christians belong to Christ, Christians belong to Christ. In Acts 20, verse 28, now we read this verse a lot when we're talking about elders, uh, and it's appropriate for that. It says, Take heed, therefore, to yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, uh, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So we talk a lot, you know, the overseers are to feed the church of God. That's part of the role of being an elder. It's a big responsibility. And that's a good verse to, to look at that role. But I want to focus on this part. Uh, so the church of God, which he hath purchased, with his own blood. The point we're making is Christians belong to Christ. The church is the purchased possession of God. Uh, and the Christian is a purchased possession. They're a part of the group that's been bought by God. They're a part of the church. You belong to God. Uh, and if you're a Christian, you've got to conduct yourself that way. That's, a, that's a, what makes you a Christian. You realize you belong to God and you live accordingly. In First Peter 1, in verse 18... It says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. All right, so we're talking about being who you belong to and being purchased, being redeemed. The word redeemed means bought back. You've been bought back from sin. What were you bought back with? Not gold or silver. None of those kind of things. You were, you were bought with the precious blood of Christ. Right, you have been... Uh, Bought not with perishable things, but with the most precious thing that uh, could have been used to purchase you and redeem you out of the the bondage of sin. That's what Peter is talking about. In Ephesians 1 and verse 7, again the same idea. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. We can be redeemed. We can be bought. We can be the possession uh, you know, if we obey God, but that's through Jesus' blood and we receive the forgiveness of sins through that. It's interesting how it all works together. So the, what makes you a Christian is belonging to Christ, being purchased by Him. The second point is a Christian has been buried with Christ in baptism. If you have not been buried with Christ in baptism, you're not a Christian. And, and we don't say that to be to be mean, but we're just saying that's the truth that the Bible uh, reveals. A Christian's one's been buried with Christ in baptism. Paul really paints a good picture in Romans 6, beginning of verse 3. He says, Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Uh, So Paul makes the the connection between uh, water baptism, being buried with Christ, uh, and the connection between Christ's death and His shed blood is what saves us. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people that have no uh, no disagreement with the fact if we say, uh, you know, the blood of Christ is what saves us. And there's a lot of people, maybe you've got uh, friends in the denominational world that would agree with you on that. Yeah, I'm saved by the blood of Christ, aren't you? Well, of course we are. The question, though, is how do we contact it? When do we come in contact with that blood? And it's when we're we're baptized into his death. We're baptized into his death. We're buried with him by baptism into death. That's when we contact the blood. We we're talking about being the purchased possession of Christ. Probably wouldn't have been better to put this number one. We're purchased. The transaction takes place whenever we're baptized into Christ. That's where the transaction takes place. We know the verse well, Acts 2 and verse 38. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter had preached that sermon, the people responded. They were pricked in their hearts. And he said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for their remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Man, my writing gets worse as I go. For the remission of sins. What are you baptized for? For the remission of sins. Not for any other reason. You're baptized in order to have your sins taken away, to be remitted, to be removed, to be taken uh, away from your record and have your your account wiped clean. And we know that and, and we teach that. But that's what makes you a Christian. Belonging to Christ, being buried with Him in baptism. And then thirdly, What makes a Christian is a person who follows Christ. The word disciple means a follower or a learner. A Christian, you know, you're taking on the name of Christ. And so that that means something. Uh, And I was thinking about this. You know, in the days of the New Testament, we think about... Days gone by where these philosophers, they literally would walk around and they would have followers literally follow them around. Wherever they went, people would follow them and listen to them uh, teach and, and listen to what they had to say. Jesus, the same thing happened to him. He had his followers. They walked around with him literally and spent time with him and followed in his physical steps and then listened to the things that he had to say. They were followers of his. They would do what he did. They would uh, practice Uh, the things that He taught, they would implement it in their own lives. They would adopt those teachings and make them their own. Uh, They were followers of Christ. In John 12, in verse 26, Jesus said, If any man serve Me, let him follow Me. And where I am, there shall also My servant be. If any man serve Me, him will My Father honor. Is Jesus saying here, though, that the only people that can serve Him are those that can literally be with Him and follow Him around? Where's He at? Let's follow Him around. That's the only way I can... That's the only way I can serve Him is if I follow Him. Obviously, that's not the case. Of course not. Jesus isn't here. He's not physically on this earth. We can't go and and follow Him around. But we follow Him as we hear His voice and we follow His instructions. Not not His audible voice, but when we hear the things that He has said, when we hear that uh, the message has been delivered and we obey it, then we follow it. That's how we follow Him. In John 10 and verse 11, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus calls himself a shepherd. And the good shepherd, he did exact, exactly that. He gave his life for his sheep. Uh, who are the sheep? Well, Jesus defined those in verse 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. The people that are Jesus' sheep are those that listen to what he says and they follow him. And he'll be, he'll be their shepherd. In John 8... Verse 31, uh, Jesus said to the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You're my disciples indeed if you continue in my word. So that means ever continuing. Keep listening to what I say. Don't just listen to me once and then go do whatever you want to do. Continue listening to me. Uh, And and he's a good shepherd, you know. When when you get astray, he's coming to your aid to to bring you back into the fold. And that's a a beautiful thing. And think about that as we're about to offer the invitation. Uh, But this means we'll always need to continue to be following him. All right. So there's seven things that don't make you a Christian and then three things that that do. Uh, Now, these seven things, even though they're related to being a Christian... They don't give you a relationship with God. And so I think those last three are important because of that. Relationship with God is established by having our sins washed away in the blood of Christ. And religion just can't be external. You know, it can't just be external things. If, if so, then we're just like the Pharisees were in, in Jesus' day. They did things outwardly to be seen of men, and it can't, just, it can't just be like that. So I want to ask you a question. We're bringing the lesson to a close. I want to ask you a question, a question this morning Are you a Christian? what we've been talking about a lot of things that don't make you one and, and several that do so are you a christian this morning uh, i didn't ask you if you're here it's one of the things we talked about obviously you're here and i didn't ask you how dressed up you are for the services uh, those things are important but what i asked was are you a christian and i want to know if you've been washed by the blood of the lamb and do you have a relationship with god and if you don't uh, then you need to make that decision today. And that's what we would urge you to do if you've never named the name of Christ. You've got the opportunity to be baptized into Christ today. You can be His purchased possession and the transaction can take place when you're baptized uh, into His death. Nothing more important than that. And then you need to remain faithful. And as we talked about Jesus being the good shepherd, uh, have you continued to follow Him? Maybe you uh, had once in your life, you become a Christian, but then you, you stopped following Him and you got out of the fold. You can fix that today too. You can allow him to let you come back into the fold and be in a good relationship with him and then you follow him going forward and you do the right thing going forward. Can we help you in any way this morning? If you have a need, just come forward while we stand and sing this conversation song.